Hello, welcome to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast where we talk about films off the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list. My name is Clay McCormick, and with me as always, Tipsy Hedren herself. <laughs> Amanda, how are you she doing, thinks. Amanda? Oh, I'm good. I, I, I drove my Aston Martin here about 97 miles per hour, mm-hmm. and I brought my carafe of travel martinis, so you, I'm ready to go. You had to ask my next door neighbor how to get to my lake house. Yeah, and then I broke in. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, we, of course, are talking about duh birds. <laughs> Remember that one? Duh birds. Yep, everyone remembers. <laughs> accurate joke uh which is number 38 on our list with a 94 percent rotten tomato score 83 percent audience score hmm. had you seen this before yes but it's been a very long time mm. very you, very long time. have you read the th- short story no um i was really pleasantly surprised to find out that it's my girl daphne de Maurier who did who who wrote the short story she of mm. of rebecca fame yeah, I, I didn't. I I recognized the name, but I yeah. didn't know anything that she had done. You've um, seen you've seen Rebecca. Though, I actually right? have not. Funny <laughs> thing about that, I actually have Rebecca in my house in the closet. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, Laura actually was getting rid of it, and she's like, "Do you want this?" I'm what? like, yeah, "I've never seen it." So why did she get rid of it? Uh, I I it's in my pile, which is getting bigger and bigger. As you can probably see, I am now just surrounded <laughs> by Giallo movies. I mean, I've yeah, completed there, my there are a few boxes. Giallo Essentials Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> um, and now you will snap your fingers and half of the world will become Italian? And topless. <laughs> Pick carefully which half. Yes. That reminds me. When we're done, I have to tell you about- Get topless? Yeah. Well, listen. You're married. Please don't. You're essentially married. That's so, true. Yeah. Um, I do have to tell you about- Strip Nude for Your Killer, which I watched the other day, which is... Uh, I don't know if you do have to tell me about that. It has one of the most insane endings I've ever seen in one of these movies, and not for the reasons you're gonna, you'll think, but... Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, I had seen The Birds, I think I saw it once, probably 25 years ago. Yeah. And I do remember reading the short story in high school. It may have That's actually been... really interesting. It may have been... It must have been high. It was, it was in... It was when we still had, like, you get, like, the one book in oh, English yeah. class, and it's got, like, a oh, bunch yeah. of short stories and stuff in it. Sir, I worked on those books when <clears throat> oh, I worked okay. in publishing. Yeah. Uh, well, whatever grade you get those. Yeah. I read it in one of those. Yeah. That makes um, sense. And I do remember the teacher, that might that was probably when I watched the movie, honestly. I mm. probably watched it after that. And I do remember the teacher pointing out that in the actual short story, mm-hmm. most of the stuff that happens in that is not in the movie. It's actually in The Birds 2. They made a sequel oh. that's actually closer to the story than the original was. <clears throat> interesting. What a, what an interesting choice to have your students read that short story. I, yeah. I guess when it's when it's between, you know, you need something along the lines of uh, Shirley Jackson's The Lottery, but you grew tired of doing that every mm-hmm. year. You just pick something vaguely adjacent of like, ah, oh, yes. I think we did Random that. death. I don't think that was the same year, but I do remember reading that. Yeah. That, that's a big one. It's a big one in school. I was disappointed to find out it was not a guide on how to win the lottery. <laughs> no. No, it's um, the kind of lottery you don't want to win. Yes. Uh, yeah, so that's the only time I think I've seen it. Of course, it's a, a classic Alfred Hitchcock film, which we will talk about in a couple minutes after we play the trailer. 
We've we've been on a weird run of trailers lately where mm. most of our trailers are just like silent. I hope this one is just so, bird noises hopefully. for three minutes. <laughs> Next time. Wings flapping and birds screeching. I for On Patreon for Bay of Blood, uh-huh. I ended up using, like I did on Dead and Buried, I used the trailers from Hell clip. With, uh, because you needed Wright. some words because this is an audio yeah, medium. Yeah, because it was just like, <laughs> like Italian giallo kind of like somebody mid-tempo saves funk. that and loops it and makes it their ringtone. Why not? Ringtone? Yeah. What year are you in? Isn't it like 2002? 2002? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, trailer. We'll be right back. How do you do? My name is Alfred Hitchcock, and I would like to tell you about our good friends, the birds. That's the damnest thing I ever saw. Birds just don't go around attacking people without no reason. Yes, they attack the children, attack them. What's the matter with all the birds? Birds are not aggressive creatures, miss. They bring beauty into the world. Those gulls attack. Impossible. They came in right down the chimney. Why are they doing this? It's the end of the world. Are the birds going to eat us, Mommy? Get yourselves guns and wipe them off the face of the earth. That would hardly be possible. Mitch, don't! The five continents of the world contain more than a hundred billion birds. All at once, the birds were everywhere. Why don't you all go home? Lock your doors and windows. Did you get the windows in the attic? When do you think they'll come? What happens when you run out of wood? I don't know. You don't know? When will you know? When we're all dead? All right, Duh Birds, written by, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, written by Evan Hunter, based on a short story by Daphne, Daphne du Maurier, starring Tippi Hedren, Rod Taylor, Jessica Tandy, Suzanne Plachette, and Baby Lambert from Alien, Veronica Cartwright. Baby Lambert. Baby Lambert. And Aww. it's fun. It's, uh, it's really fun to watch this knowing that because... She she goes into Lambert mode pretty solidly about halfway through this movie. Yeah, yeah. There's some there's some good Lambert panic in yes. here. Amanda, what happens in Dub Birds? Other than the Lambert panic, you mm-hmm. Melanie Daniels meets Mitch Brenner in a San Francisco pet store and decides to follow him home. She brings with her the gift of two lovebirds, and they strike up a romance. One day, though, birds start attacking children at Mitch's sister's party. A huge assault starts on the town by the attacking birds. Mm. Yeah, it's weird. Summarizing this movie is actually like a really difficult prospect because Mm -hmm. no matter how you put it, it sounds just kind of weird and boring. Yeah. Like birds attack people. Yeah, it's. I would say it, to sum it up in a, in a single sentence, it's uh, forty minutes of classic Hitchcock weird relationship stuff with doubling and edible undertones, and then birds start killing people. <clears throat> well, Clay, some things you'll find in this movie include mm. birds. All right, we're done here. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Uh, a classist racist child. Yes, she do- she doesn't explicitly 
doesn't explicitly yeah, call out no, the skin color of the hoods. Yes, of the hoods that she uh, that her talks brother about, associates with. I think we. I think you can probably uh, do your own research on that one. <laughs> uh, you'll also find sixties flirting, i.e., lying. Yes, that was my favorite part. Is it's like, ooh, isn't this cute? It's like they're just straight up lying to each yes, other. Yes, they are just constantly lying to one another in increasingly elaborate ways. Basis for a solid relationship. Yeah, true love, right there. Mm-hmm. You'll also find mommy issues slash slash mommy's issues. Yes, because uh, uh, there's a lot of both. Yeah, there's some 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 very strange things going on in this and i i'm around lydia specifically yeah i i am looking forward to talking about that because i can't decide if i like it or if i think it's just a waste of time (laughs) we will get into it uh you'll also find spooky song class yep you gotta keep a song with so many verses many verses you gotta do them all because you gotta make sure all the birds show up a harbinger yes is a harbinger is, is a harbinger a bird no 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 okay i'm just i don't think so i'm you know what i'm doing there is a are you thinking of an albatross nope there is a old i think a dc comic called harp maybe it's valiant anyway the logo for this group called harbinger was a bird so i just Mm. always assumed like that was uh, anyway moving on i think sometimes there's symbolism when birds are a harbinger of a type regardless it's nice to see your prophet of doom Yes. Show up so early on one, in horror movie history. One of my favorite archetypal characters. Al- also, always drunk. Yes. Screaming yeah, stuff. Yeah, gotta be. Gotta be drunk to deal with the, Although, the knowledge that the world is about to end. You kind of technically have two, don't you? Because you get the one guy who's screaming about stuff, and then you have mm. the one woman who's like, you know, the birds will eventually kill everybody. And it's just <laughs> like very middle of the road. The or- the ornithologist? Yes, the, w- the woman... The woman who I was convinced was just a bunch of birds wearing a human suit. <laughs> Maybe she was. Mm. Uh, and last, but certainly not least important, a very well-stocked bar. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have noticed that unless you pointed it out. And as soon as you pointed it out. <laughs> it's, uh, it's impossible I know. not to notice it was, how much booze. That was like a diner. <laughs> yes. There's like children ordering like an omelet. Yeah. And like, you know, I want. It was like 14 grape bottles jelly of on my toast. And J&B then, behind them. Yes. There was like 260 bottles of alcohol behind that I, bar. I was trying to figure out if that was an intentional stylistic choice either to keep up with the idea of just amassing, like because the bottles sit mm. on the shelf, kind of like the birds sit ah. on the thing. But then I was thinking like, oh, well, there's so many bottles because the birds are going to fly in and smash everything. Right. But that doesn't happen. No. So. <laughs> and that no that restaurant, diner, whatever you want to call it, is a real place. Yes. So. It is. Is that really how this owner stocks his diner? Might be. The, uh. Apparently, the owner's name is Mitch. And I'm not making this up. <laughs> I, IMDB might be making this up. But I, I like how you can tell immediately now from my face that I think you're lying to <laughs> <Yes>. me. <laughs> The owner's name is Mitch, and when Hitchcock asked him if he could shoot there, he mm-hmm. said, yes, but you need to name the main character Mitch, and I need to have a line. And so he did both of those, and that's why the main character's name is Mitch. And then at a certain point in that wow. scene, the actual owner of the bar says, like, Mitch, what's going on? Or something like that. So. <clears throat> what a piece of trivia. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
I have three questions for you. Shoot. One, how do you feel about birds? I like birds. You like birds? I absolutely like birds. Yeah. Big fan of crows, unsurprisingly. Yeah. What about like groups of birds? I think they're fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Not threatened by them at all? No, no. I'm the type of person who, when I work from home, sits and stares out my window and watches the crows mm. chase the hawk out of the neighborhood to protect ah. their nests. And I think it's so cool how they work as like a team. My girlfriend hates birds. Interesting. And has a story story about trying to get on the bus to go to her soccer game but she first needed to get something out of her car which was being guarded by a turkey oh and she no. couldn't get in the car because the turkey <laughs> kept chasing her around the car <laughs> i can picture this really perfectly yes so she is not a fan of birds and i we uh um we actually had a birds moment last year mm. Went on our way to walking from our ho- my hotel to the Javits Center for mm. New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. We were going down this one street, and I just happened to look up, and on either side of the street, lining the roofs, was like oh. 500 pigeons. Pigeon army. Yeah, and I think it was just because that's where the sun was hitting. Yeah. So, and I, I we were just walking, and I just kind of tapped her on the shoulder, and I pointed <laughs> up, and she was like... <gasps> <laughs> And then she turned into one of those fainting goats. Yes, she froze, and you yeah. had to carry her the rest of the way. Do I like birds? I don't know if I yeah. like birds. I had I my um my my the birds moment in college. Um, I lived in a area that was all kind of from the outside looks like very classy, nice brownstones, but they mm-hmm. chopped them up into little awful dorm rooms. Um, but my building had this pretty little courtyard because it was kind of a U shape, mm-hmm. and I was coming in to go to my room to get like books or something to go back to my my friend's place and study whatever and as i was walking towards the main door i looked up and it was only like a three three story three floors brownstone building and a turkey vulture was sitting on the top over my door (laughs) and i don't know if you've ever seen a turkey vulture i don't think so they are the worst parts of both turkey and vulture excellent um they're fucking huge yeah they're really really big this is in boston yes weird yeah so it it just sort of looked down on me and then casually opened its wings and it's got like i mean i'm probably exaggerating this but it felt like like a five five foot wingspan it's possible it just felt enormous and i they just used to be dinosaurs you know turned around and i left that's fair because i was like i'm just not you can have the building that's fine i yeah. don't need it i actually once almost got staircased which is oh, fun oh my god yeah uh so you believe the owl theory is what you're talking listen about. i'm not discounting it honestly he killed his wife i don't know owl theory is pretty fun but um it's fun but he killed his wife probably uh i was packing up from a, a gig that I played with my band at a VFW or something. Mm-hmm. And I had come out, I was coming out through the front door and I kind of like caught it in my eye just for a second. I saw an owl mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the owl was flying at my <gasps> head and it just swooped down at me and went over me and perched on the doorway. Oh, and wow. And I freaked out and then went in through the back door for the rest of the night as we were yeah. uploading out. Yeah, I don't blame you. Owls are intense. Yeah. Yeah. Can cause people to kill their wives. <laughs> <laughs> or they can attack entire towns. And keep That's them true. In a state of horror. That's true. Uh, question two. Mm. How do you feel about Alfred Hitchcock? 
he's another one where I have I have deeply mixed feelings because mm-hmm. I love so much of his work, but from all accounts, he sounds like he was an extremely complicated man to yes. know in real life. And I think that's a very polite way of putting it. He yeah. sounds like he could be extremely charming or an absolute monster. And so there, it kind of goes back to like the conversations we've had on and off about uh, Roman Polanski, mm. where it's like the reconciling, knowing a person who made art you really love mm. was not a good person in their life kind of thing. Do you have a favorite Hitchcock movie? Uh, I, have yeah. you seen like a lot of them? I've seen a bunch. I ask because yeah. I I've I consider myself someone who's seen a lot of movies. Yeah, and I I've seen like th- maybe four Hitchcock movies. Really? Yeah. He just I don't know. His it's never really clicked with me. Oh, I keep waiting for it too. That's so interesting. Yeah. Okay, because I I really like Hitchcock. I've probably seen. That didn't sound condescending. That did. No, <laughs> okay, no, no, of. no, it didn't at all. Listen, I've seen a lot of movies, all yeah. right? I know <laughs> but you have. someone like you probably hasn't. No, but in all seriousness, typically the pattern here is you say, have you seen this movie? And I say no. And then you tell me how many times you've seen it. Yeah, the only like, reason that that's in there is so I can lord that over you Yeah, I every know. time it happens. I'm aware. Yeah, okay. So I know what I signed up for. And then any time that you've seen it and I haven't, that's mm-hmm. why I always say, well, nobody likes that movie. Yeah, I mean, that one's not very good. Yeah. We shouldn't do that one. Um... No, I, I I really I really enjoy Hitchcock. I think my favorite is probably Psycho. Mm-hmm. Just because I think it's such uh, just such a perfect horror movie. Mm. It's I think it's done so well and like I I don't know. I I there's something about it that's like so simple and yet so terrifying when you think about it. Yeah. Um but I also, I have a big soft spot for Rebecca because mm. I love the novel so much. Like the, the novel is like one of my all time favorite yeah. pieces of literature. So yeah. But I also like um, Shadow of a Doubt's really good. And like Vertigo is really good. Have I seen, Sh- I think I've seen Shadow of a Doubt. <clears throat> I know I've seen, Ver- I've watched, I, I think I went through a period where I tried to get into his movies mm-hmm. and I didn't make it very far. Is it- re- Windows Hitchcock too. Yes, right? I yes. like Rear Window. I love Rear Window. I have a good yeah. Rear Window story to tell you that is depressing, but oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, I like. I remember I was really looking forward to watching some Hitchcock movies, mm-hmm. and the first one that I watched was North by Northwest. Yeah, it's not the best one to start with. Bored the hell out of me. Yeah, I thought it was really boring. Um, <laughs> I can understand that. I like I like that one, but I yeah I can see why. Yeah, Rear Window is I liked. Mm-hmm. Psycho. I'm looking forward to watching Psycho for this mm-hmm. because I know I've seen Psycho only like maybe three or four times. Really? And my first opinion of Psycho is is the one that is most prominent in my head, even mm-hmm. though I know I've seen it since and been like, okay, this is better than I remember it being. Yeah. But my memory of Psycho, the first time I watched it was the beginning's great, the ending is great, the middle's kind of boring. And it, like, I, I do... Interesting. Re- yeah, the last time I watched it, I do remember thinking, oh, yeah, I was wrong. This is pretty good. But I okay. but I can't... I don't know it well enough to yeah. tell you why that is. Huh. Um, I'm looking forward to talking about that one when we do it, too. Yeah, and, and Vertigo, like, I have saw it, but that's another one I'd like to see again because I was kind of like, yeah, yeah it's fine. Like, it, like it didn't Vertigo. really... I, I'm not saying you shouldn't. It just <laughs> Clay, uh, stop yelling at me. 
But uh, when we were uh, we were in California not too long ago, hmm. and we went on the Paramount Studios tour, oh. which was very fun. We got to see the alleyway behind the medical building where they shot a scene from the a love scene from Top Gun, which was fun. Hmm. Um, and uh, our tour guide, who thankfully, so I don't blow her cover, I can't remember what her name was, but she was great. But she liked to tell, um, spill the tea, as it were. Oh. She made sure to shut her microphone off before Ooh. she did so, uh, which I'm not going to do. <clears throat> and we drove by. if we went silent for the next 45 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> we drove by the studio, um, the soundstage where they shot Rear Window, mm. and she said that uh, there's a there's an elevator on the outside so that they can kind of bring stuff in if you have like a multi-level set. Yeah. She said it's the only elevator on the lot that also goes down past the ground oh. level because when they were shooting Rear Window, Hitchcock, without asking anybody, dug up the entire floor of the soundstage <laughs> 20 feet down Holy shit. so he could add another layer to his set. Wow. And... He, ended up using that elevator to bring cars down because it's a street set. Yeah, right? yeah. Bring cars down that cars would drive down the street. Yep. Real cars that were turned on and the engines were going apparently caused the death of four people. Holy shit. Which was then covered up by the studio. And so if you watch the movie, you can see what they did instead. I don't know why this was their second idea. But uh, they just put the cars in neutral and pushed them. So if you watch the movie, apparently you can see extras walking down the street, hugging the cars pretty close because they are actually pushing the cars down the street. Why four people needed to die in order to come up with that idea is anybody's guess. Is that real? I'm sorry. I have to ask. Is that really true? From From the back Cindy's lips to to God's ears. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but that that's very, I mean, that, whether it's apocryphal or it's true, I feel like that's a pretty representative story about Hitchcock. Yeah. Is that he, he wanted things exactly the way he wanted it, and he didn't really care who suffered to make it that way. Yeah. And Just as a result, specific, he's made... It was exhaust that killed him, not... They didn't get hit by the cars. Right, maybe. yes, yeah. yes. But he wanted real cars to really drive, right. and yeah. he didn't care if it was in an area with zero ventilation. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, we also saw his office, which oh. was um, specifically built with a bay window on it so mm. people could spy on him to make sure that he was working because I guess he was very uh, known for <laughs> not working. Shirking. And so he actually, when he moved in there, he put three bookcases up in front of that window mm-hmm. so nobody could see in the window. Nice. <clears throat> anyway, third question. Okay. How do you feel about this movie, The Birds? I have that mixed, we, that I we have, start talking about 20 know, minutes into the I show. I know. Welcome, everyone. This is what you come for. Um, I actually have mixed feelings about this one. Mm. I would have to say this is this is maybe one of my least favorite Hitchcock movies that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But again, I like most of his most of the movies of his I have seen. I, I actually really enjoyed. So that's not an insult per se. It's just a lot of other ones bubble to the top for me over this one. Yeah. I. It's just such a strange movie. The pacing is really weird. The characters, when you think about them for more than a minute, are really strange. Mm -hmm. The relationships are really strange. It's the kind of movie where I feel like it's, it's, it's ripe for interpretation because so much of it's so ambiguous. 
Yeah. But I don't know if any of that is actually baked into the movie intentionally. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's, a, it's an oddly blank slate that I think you can project a lot of stuff onto, but I'm not sure how much of that is like craft versus coincidence. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting to me because as, as it was kind of finishing up, mm-hmm. my thought was this feels a lot like a Stephen King story. Yeah. Because it has that same kind of, I mean, like, I know that they're in San Francisco or the Bay Area or whatever, but mm-hmm. like that could have been Maine. Yeah. And, yeah. And everybody, uh, everybody speaks with that sort of um, Hollywood of that time accent. Yeah. So yeah, it could be anywhere. Well, she was driving the car down the road. Yes, so we don't know. Mid-Atlantic or whatever yes. the thing is. Um, and th- this this idea that the uh, there's this human character story that's that is sort of underpinning the attack of nature or Mm -hmm. whatever the scary thing is Mm -hmm. just felt very much like a story Stephen King would write um it might be because I was just thinking about the end of the dark half when all those birds destroy the house yeah yeah that might do it (laughs) um I mean Stephen King also kind of does do the thing of like when something unimaginable happens to sort of everyday people. Yes. That's very much in his wheelhouse and that's very much what this movie kind of feels like. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And so I I started thinking about, well, are the birds supposed to represent something? Like I, I couldn't right. I couldn't tell right. if they were. Yeah. Um you know, I, I think there's the, the closest that they come, which is obviously total hyperbole, is mm in that scene in the diner where the yes. woman straight up screams at Tippy Hedren that she's evil and this is only happening because she came to town. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the ornithologist again. Oh, yeah, sure. She talks too. about how humans are destroying the planet and birds bring beauty and nature is great and how people are yeah. ruining everything. Yeah, that's not like that's not like a theme of the movie at all, though. You know, it's not, but there's been a lot of conversation around it. Like, I feel... I, I I feel like at one point there was like a quote attributed to Hitchcock about how he was like, yeah, it's because people are destroying their habitat yeah. and the birds want revenge. That's yeah. it. That's the explanation. And I don't know if I, I, I can't, I can't attribute that. So I can't, since I can't cite my sources, you can all disregard what I've said. <laughs> um, but even if he did say it, it also, it, it strikes me as the kind of flippant thing that you might say after you know 30 years of people asking you well what does it mean and i was trying to decide if it needs to mean anything i don't know if it does and the thing that was tripping me up was like i feel like the first half of it Mm -hmm. is there's so much weird stuff going on under the surface as far as these character relationships yes and you know first of all What's her name? Ma- Madeline? Melanie? Melanie. Mel- Miss Melanie Lanolin? Daniels. Like sheep's wool? <laughs> Melanie is uh, a psychopath. <laughs> who, what makes you say this? Because uh, this guy who she doesn't know comes in and pulls this weird prank sure. on her. And her response is to go to his house. And then when he f- she finds out that he is not home... Mm-hmm get the address of the place that he is, mm-hmm. drive there, which yes. is like a two-hour drive away. Yes. 
or an hour and a half if you take the PCH or whatever it is. <laughs> um, then break into his house. Yes. Technically, door wasn't locked. Is it really breaking in? Anyway? Uh, uh, it's definitely trespassing. Yeah. Break into his house. Leave him. Leave two live animals mm-hmm. with a card for his sister mm-hmm. who she goes out of her way to find out what her name is. Yeah. It's psychopath behavior. Oh, yeah. And then she, she's... She, I was just curious she watches which from a boat. part of this really set you on this path that she's a psychopath. Like, she obviously is. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. arguing with and you. And again, it's, it's like, like... how quickly did you know? Yeah, it's like the flirting thing, though, where it's like, I can see why this might be like, oh, it's cute. But it's psychopath. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's It's... She's a really fascinating character because of the way she sort of develops over the course of the movie. And and I don't know. Develops isn't the right word. Changes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, because she goes from this very glib sort of socialite. Because she is a socialite. She's she's right. rich. Her yeah. dad owns a newspaper company. Um And she is kind of known in the gossip columns for being a little bit of a lady about town kind Mm -hmm. of deal. And she has this sort of defensive exterior where she very much deflects things with her, like, her lying. And most of her lies are, like, pretty benign. They're kind of weird. Yeah. You know, it's like, why would you lie about that? Like, she's not... It reminded me of, do you remember in the Michael Keaton, the first Michael Keaton Batman movie, Mm. when uh, he's having the party at his house? Yes. And Vicki Vale runs into him and says, could you please tell me which one of these guys is Bruce Wayne? And he Mm. goes, well, I'm not sure. And she goes, okay, thanks, and walks away. And I I always thought, like, what a weird thing to say. (laughs) At least from him, I kind of understand it, because there's a little bit of a defensiveness of, like, who the hell are you and why are you looking for me? Right. Why are you at my party? I have actual secrets to maintain. Yes. Whereas... Melanie doesn't have any actual secrets. Yes. Right. Like, her actual secret is is that she's not as much of a of a of a ditz and a sort of enfant terrible. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. Like she's she's not as much of a bad socialite as she is portrayed as in the newspapers. Yeah. She's much more like she takes classes at Berkeley and she raises money for Korean children to go to school. Um but she's so weird because she lies seemingly without motivation. Mm. And then she kind of keeps them going longer than it seems like she should. And then midway through the movie, she just becomes like almost like a different character. Yeah. Where she leaves all of that behind and becomes a, a mixture of the, the, the heroine of the movie, but also a damsel in distress. Yes. For Mitch to save. And yeah. all of a sudden, we see her in this much more maternal light. Like, she's very doting and, and affectionate with Kathy. Like, mm-hmm. immediately. Like, right. right away, she has, like, become another, like a, like, a big sister or a mother figure to Kathy. She, where she's she, taking care of these other kids at the, at the party or at the school. And she's even taking care of the ill mother when the mother needs... Caretake, like all of a sudden, she goes from this sort of like I wear my fur coat to go stalk a man to the countryside, right. to like I'm gonna make the tea for your poor sweet mother. She and become help, <laughs> as Oppenheimer would say. Very nice, very timely reference. Yeah, it's it's strange because you know there there's there's her thing and there's mm-hmm. the 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 plot the subplot about the 
the mother who mm-hmm. is um, afraid that her son is going to leave her. And like, there's all this other stuff you could get into that seems to be on purpose. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why you would do it this way if it wasn't, where the mother looks a lot like Melanie. Yes. And Mitch is in his like mid 30s. Yeah. His sister is 11. Yeah. He refers to his mother as darling. Uh huh. And he refers to his sister as like honey or something. Honey right? and, and like a very something. Yeah. yeah. Something you would say to your daughter, basically. Yeah. And so it's clear that he is this age gap and this weird mother thing is like he has moved into the role of the father who has passed yes. away. Yeah. And he's the man of the house. Yeah. Right. And you know, it's kind of weird, but. Yes. Uh, there's even a there's even a line I think Annie says it and I love it where it's uh, all credit to Oedipus. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Annie's got her own shit where she's yes. had dated Mitch for like four years and they broke up, but then she moved to his town. I think she they they are she dating. There before they're they dating up? and she moves there and then they break up. Yeah, I think okay. is what happens. Yeah, I don't. But it, but it, functionally it doesn't really matter. Yeah, they, they, she, they were together. They broke up and she stayed in the town. Right, because because she says to Melanie, she's like, I stayed because I just you know I like hanging out with Mitch. He's a nice. Yeah, guy. she's <laughs> like, I still like him very much. And yeah, it's like okay, what does that mean? I it's so this this I movie. Don't, I don't get what everybody likes about Mitch personally. I do not. See kind of it. a blank slate. I yes, he's I don't know fine. Yeah. He seems annoying, but like okay. He's a he's a nineteen sixties thirty three, which is like a two thousand twenty three sixty. Yes, I. When you told me he was thirty three, I was just like, what? What happened? Adjusted, adjusted for smoke inhalation. Yes, and eleven a.m. martinis every yes. day. Um, but I, there's there's I feel like there is a reading of this movie that is going to. I feel like there's this interpretation that is often kind of dismissed as vaguely misogynist mm-hmm. where the movie is kind of about all of these women flocking around the one man. Sure. You know, it's like he, the, there are men in the background of this movie, mm-hmm. but he's the only like named male character. Yep. For the most part. I yeah. Think so. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's of the consequence anyway. Exactly. There's the guy in the diner mm-hmm. and world's greatest policeman, the, the world's greatest policeman and the guy who runs through the boat and the postman. But like, there's no character. Right. Other than him. That's a man. Yeah. That, that plays a really active role throughout. I feel the like movie. even at the birthday party, it's all women. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't like know mothers. that for sure, but I'm just I don't think guess. I mean part of that I think is like the norms of the 60s is like the right, fathers yeah. would not be hanging out at a but still. child's birthday. But you're right. You're right. All those liquor bottles were female. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's weird because he is like the one man in this world mm. that is available to these women and he has to fill all the roles. Like he has to be Kind of like boyfriend and husband mm. and father and son and brother. Like he has to do all of it for all of these women who he kind of becomes responsible for. But he's not very good at it. So this this movie is just a metaphor for Mitch just trying to watch the game. But, I mean, but, yeah. You know, she's going to change the channel and he's going to shoot him. her six times in the head. They keep Matt nagging him. Can't just... <laughs> 
Watch the game in peace. But, but right, it, guys? It, but it is. There's like this weird... Like as we, I think we we what we're kind of trying to get at is that there are these weird undertones mm. between all these characters where there's something else going on, especially with Melanie and Mitch. It doesn't make sense on the surface why she likes him so much. Right. At first, it doesn't make sense why he likes her, and then the mother Lydia treats him like he's one of the kids quote mm-hmm. unquote but then also sort of relies on him like he's like he's her partner like he has replaced his father yeah and so she's scared of being abandoned by him but she also is kind of subservient to him it's all just very strange and it makes the relationship between melanie and lydia really weird yeah 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 she's walked into a principal and mrs skinner situation i think mm-hmm <laughs> Um, yes. Yeah, and so it's. I I think what's what's the most interesting to me about all this is like I don't know if Lydia, Lydia, I don't know if Melanie mm-hmm. is a strong enough character, um, with any real take on her. Yeah. Because you know she gets she gets there, she does her shtick or whatever, mm-hmm. and the birds thing doesn't happen until she gets there like and right. she's the first one who gets attacked right and i think like the second person like it, it feels some like small evidence that something's getting weird when mm-hmm. she first goes to the pet store oh interesting yeah the there's like there, there's a ton of birds and she even says to the pet store owner why do you think they're doing that mm. i've never seen so many gulls mm. why why are they here yeah and the pet store owner says something like oh you know sometimes storms drive them yeah. inland." but you know i i thought there was something to the fact that like this doesn't be- really begin until she gets there and she's yeah. the first one who gets hit so like obviously i'm thinking like she's the harbinger yeah i'm not not as extreme as the 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 old lady who just says that yeah but like i don't think like the 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 obvious read on it would be like this she is encroaching on this ecosystem and Mm -hmm. nature is trying to push her back or something like that but I don't feel like there's any there's enough character in her yeah. to make it feel like she's gotten there and is like messing stuff up. You know what I mean? Like if she, yeah, because she's this. They play her off as this like socialite who's uh-huh. you know kind of a reformed party girl or something. Yeah, but like she doesn't have any sort of fish out of water yeah. thing where she gets to this place and she's like ugh. You know, or you know what I no, mean? No, yeah, she kind of comes right in. She she manages to find the right people to talk to really quickly. She rents the boat, and they're like, "Have you ever handled a boat with an outboard motor?" And she's like, "Yeah, of course." Yeah, and they're like, and "Oh, I, I <laughs> which wonder." Is weird for a socialite. Like, yeah, that's strange well, for she, her to just be like, "Of course I do." What she are you talking she about? did spend a lot of time in that fountain, so maybe she knows yeah, she boated boating. Around. Yeah, but I I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm asking too much from a movie from 1963 to uh, because like clearly you want your audience to like her and to like him and so i don't know i i guess i don't really know where i'm where i'm what i'm trying to get at but it's just it seems like there's not much character on the if there is character on on that on the bone they don't really lean into it enough for me to really be engaged by her change or her story yeah well that's interesting because like i I think what i was trying to say earlier and maybe doing kind of a poor job of it is that they sort of sand down what character she does have yeah 
like yeah, further into you did the movie. Say that poorly, yeah. she, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, by the end of the movie, she's, she's borderline catatonic. Right. Whatever character she had is totally gone. Right. Um, and I, I actually really like the scene between her and the mother mm. in the bedroom. It maybe goes on a little too long, but I enjoy the fact that it gives both of these women an opportunity to talk to one another with no one else in the room. Mm. And they do sort of air out, at least at least Lydia, the mom, kind of airs out everything that's going on in her head. Um, and it lets you sort of avoid the stereotype that she's just going to be the bitchy mother right. and that Melanie is going to have to come in and either like break her hold over Mitch or like teach her how to be fun again. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, which yeah. I think would have been kind of a more stereotypical and boring relationship for them to have. Yeah. But there's something that Lydia says in the midst of her kind of, you know, lamenting losing her husband and talking about how tired she is and, and how difficult her life has been since her husband passed. She says, I haven't even gotten a chance to, to figure out whether or not I like you. Mm. And I think that's kind of a problem for the audience, too, throughout the movie. Yeah. Is that like, do we like her? Yeah. I don't know if we're actually supposed to. I think we are, but yeah. it's... She is strangely vacant. Yeah, and as I, a character, I find it to be a, a novel twist, but also makes me wonder what they were going for with this stuff at the end when she does. Well, listen, anybody who <laughs> opens a door f- with, to a room full of birds yeah. gets scared and then, s- in a scared manner, walks into the room. <laughs> Deserves what she's going to well, get. Well, isn't but. there some infamous thing that, where she asked, where the uh, Tippy Hedron asked Hitchcock, "But why would I do that?" Oh, and really? Hitchcock uh, said, yeah. "Because I told you to." No, I mean they they <laughs> may they do it in such a way where it's like ah, that's the best that could probably be. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but like you know, she she goes into this room that's full of birds and gets attacked and yeah. ends up a. a totally catatonic like you said Mm -hmm. and so it's not like the end of the movie is mitch and melanie walking out together hand in hand but you know what moment there is Mm. there's the moment where they've gotten her into the car Mm. and lydia gets in the back seat with her instead of mitch or kathy it's lydia sure and lydia holds her and there's this moment where it very purposely kind of focuses just on the two of them and their faces Mm. And Melanie's in this very, like, child position of, like, leaning. Like, you would if you were sick or you were hurt as a child, you'd lean on your mom. Right. And Lydia looks down at her and kind of, like, smiles, like, benevolently, like, lovingly and strokes her hair. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of a moment where it's, like, Melanie is getting the mothering she hasn't gotten from her own mother. Because we find out earlier that her mother abandoned them when when she was, like, 10. And Lydia has accepted this you know because there was the whole when melanie talks to annie about trying to be with mitch and saying uh, you know lydia won't accept anyone and it's like well why can't she think of it as gaining a daughter right and there is sort of a moment i think we're supposed to read that between them their bond has been secured because now she's not a threat kind of she's (laughs) she is in need and like i think that triggers something in lydia to say yeah, she's not a threat. She is somebody else I can take care of, and yeah. I know I'm good at that. I think, I honestly, now that you're saying all that stuff, I think there is an argument that the story 
isn't about her and Mitch. It's about her and the mother. I think it kind of is. Yeah. Which I maybe it's maybe it's not intentionally, but I think that's the more interesting story. Yeah. Which is why I included the mommy issues slash mommies issues mm. in our things you'll find because I think it's much more about like maternal child relationships, yeah. like who is in a mothering position at what point in time and who is a suitable mother and who is not and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then the birds show up. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I <laughs> was talk about the horror elements. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure what to expect because I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. I, and I, I couldn't remember. Obviously there's that classic shot of the, the, the birds flying onto the jungle gym and stuff. Mm-hmm. I actually, um, I love that. When we were in California, we went to the uh, uh, the new Academy Museum, mm. which is very cool. It's it's kind of it's kind of finding its footing. Yeah. you know, it's brand new. Um, they actually had the back the uh, what's that thing called uh, Mount Rushmore backdrop mm. from North by Northwest. Oh, cool! Which was cool. Um, but they also had storyboards from that the sequence of the birds mm. where the the birds all. Um, spooky song class yeah which i i found very uh tickled me a bit as as an artist because Mm -hmm. i i was looking at them and i was like okay i can see the exact point where this guy got or or girl i can't remember uh got sick of drawing birds (laughs) yeah and then they just turn into like little like brush marks and smudges and stuff i was like (laughs) okay that's what i would do too too many birds um but it's you know it's a it's a really well constructed sequence Mm -hmm. but the bird stuff in general i thought looked fantastic yeah. The the uh the live bird stuff plus any fake birds that they were doing plus any um uh what the hell's it called? Not overlay. Like the blue screen type yeah. stuff. Yeah. Which I did learn. I'm not going to go into this cuz it's lo- it's boring, but um <laughs> long and boring. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> the uh the, the the traditional blue screen, they mm-hmm. couldn't it didn't work because the birds were like too difficult to capture mm. and and uh, separate out and so they use this process called sodium vapor process oh which is a a, a specific process oh, fuck it i'll just go into it okay so instead of a blue buckle screen, up everyone i find it kind of fascinating because this is when you go get your snack yeah uh instead of a blue screen it's a white screen and they light mm. the white screen with sodium vapor lights, mm. which have a very specific like yellow-orange color. Okay. And they use this specific camera that has a specific prism inside the camera that when you film with it, the prism actually separates mm-hmm. the yellow color from the red, green, and blue color. Oh. And so it's like a three-strip Technicolor camera built to do this specifically so there's a red strip filming red strip green strip blue strip and so this has a like essentially a fourth strip for Mm -hmm. this sodium vapor color yeah and the prism splits the two light waves yeah so you get essentially um on the sodium vapor strip yeah you'll get a perfectly cut out mat of the background oh and then on the other ones you get all the information from the actors which are in full color and so it's it's basically a very it's another va- way of doing like keyframing stuff. Yeah, it, it's um, only one camera was ever created that could do this. Holy shit! And it was owned by Disney, and so you had to rent it from Disney mm. if you were going to use it. And it apparently was very expensive. They, I can um, only imagine. 
one one of the most probably the most famous use of it was Mary Poppins uh, when they're in the cartoon world. Yep. They did that with the sodium vapor thing. But it's just I I find this stuff I f- always find that stuff fascinating because yeah. like all these problems that they solve to do these special effects and stuff and how this stuff has evolved is very fascinating to me. Yeah, and I and I do think that. <clears throat> It's interesting because even in those moments where as a modern day viewer, you might look and say like, oh, the birds look kind of weird. Like they look kind of superimposed here or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's easy to forget that like this was what, 1963 this yep. came out? So they were working on it early 60s? Yeah, probably yeah. 61, 60, yeah. Yeah, so like that's, it looks amazing Yeah, for that time period. Like They, they had like... uh Three thousand birds or something that that they actually trained. Those poor birds. Yeah. Well, I saw some shit again. IMDb. I don't know if it's true. Um, in the birthday party sequence, to make sure that the balloons popped, uh-huh. the, they had taped the seagulls' beaks shut oh. and put pins in their mouths. Oh no! And apparently, one of them got away, and so they had to scramble to get it back. But that's that's real, like you know, in Scrooge oh, when he wants to staple the antlers to the mouse's head. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's, it's a lot of that shit where yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, we actually threw the horse down the hill. Right. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's funny. Cause like I, that final scene when they come walking out, mm-hmm. I'm looking at that and, and I'm like, man, this looks so good. There's so many birds. And I had to like, yeah. it took me a minute to focus to realize, oh, a lot of these birds are like styrofoam birds yeah but they look great yeah because they're mixed in and yeah yeah yeah. i I think i mean i think they do a really fantastic job yeah given the limitations of the time i honestly don't i think that the the attack that happens after the playground sequence so when with the kids and stuff yeah is probably not one of the better attacks right i think one of the best, if not the best, is when the birds come in through the chimney. Yes, that that's was what I was awesome. going to say. Yeah, that was when, really when, the, cool. when the flock of sparrows comes, like dive bombing down the chimney and out into yeah. the living room, and just turns the whole house into chaos. It's it's really amazing. It looks really fantastic. Yeah, I, I can't imagine how much work it must have been to do that. <sighs> God, yeah. I'm you know I don't know if that was film, if the film overlay or if it was something they like hand animated or something i I, no I, I can't tell because yeah. it, it, it blends it so really good. really well yeah um i also i have to say i think the eyeless corpse looks really good in this. yeah it does yeah looks really good like it looks genuinely like a dude who got his eyes pecked out yeah yeah that can be a pretty difficult effect to do that's what i was thinking like i've seen many more modern movies kind of not pull that off as well that's why you need a really skinny guy to do that mm-hmm. you can build up the bones around the eye you know ah, sunken eyes i see yeah um yeah yeah how do you feel about this i mean maybe this is jumping to the end of the of our of our list of things we we generally talk about but yeah. would, would you consider this a horror movie you know i do mm. i do because i think there is a monstrous force attacking people that cannot be stopped and and is doing it for reasons we don't know or understand yeah and that sounds like you know that like a creature movie put to me that under the supernatural column yeah. yeah yeah so i i think it counts i i think like a lot of hitchcock stuff he kind of eschews some of the more traditional touchstones of horror movies especially at the time which mm-hmm. would be more like you know lightning striking and oh, rain sure. out yeah. in a well you know 
dark and foggy night kind of stuff. One of the things that I was thinking about that occurred to me while I was watching this is um, I feel like this must have had a huge impact on George mm. Romero for Night of mm. the Living Dead. Yeah. Because there is a big section of this movie that feels like it's just Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Um, especially after she goes catatonic. Yeah, yeah, and everybody's boarded up inside a house. <laughs> yeah, and they've got the sequence where the gas station explodes, which mm-hmm. is not a one-for-one, one, but that does happen in Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. And I think there's a certain kind of um, vocabulary of images and actions mm-hmm. that Hitchcock is kind of establishing here. Absolutely. That I don't really know if it existed much before this because, yeah. it, you know, 1963... You're out of the era of the the irradiated creature movie, right? right? And so, right. and even even then, those movies are usually like giant attacking animal, right? We're sort of on the borders of sci-fi, yeah, that kind of stuff, you know, like yeah. giant ants, giant tarantulas, right, and stuff right. like that. Um, this one is a lot. This one feels a lot more grounded in the way mm-hmm. that they depict the the people like holding up in the house yeah um and the general reaction like people even in the same town don't believe them yeah i that was that was something that i thought was a little a little lacking was like that this doesn't say again i why i was thinking like is this is she the is this only happening to her because people don't seem to be realizing this Mm -hmm. is going on and even in that uh the the sequence with the kids i Mm -hmm. i kind of jokingly said once they get in the car they show a shot of the like the downtown which is like 50 100 yards away and people are just walking around like nothing's going on and it seems like it's only happening in that section (laughs) and then when they get to the restaurant it's like people aren't reacting as that one waitress Mm-hmm. she is there to work yes she is there to get her tips where are those two bloody marys she doesn't care what's going on outside yeah. but yeah. like everybody there like nobody's really affected by it you know yeah. they, they, they kind of talk about it a little bit once the mother starts freaking out but <laughs> and the the old woman starts just talking about bird stuff ah. um <laughs> that, 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 i did love that scene though <laughs> when she's when she's like if there's blackbirds and crows Mm -hmm. i don't really know if there's a difference complete stranger oh there's a difference (laughs) (laughs) that's welcome welcome to the internet there are so there there are a lot of moments in this movie and a lot of hitchcock movies where there is this unexpected sense of humor Mm, to things yeah we're like like we were saying uh there is almost a cop plot in this movie that they then swiftly abandon for for the better well i don't know if i'd call it a cop plot but it's like there's not enough things for it to be plot yeah like a cop moment this is like the ideal police officer for most horror movies yes where it's um he's the guy where you go this thing is happening and he's like i don't know if there's any proof yeah. of that yeah it's like this this person was clearly killed by birds and he's like i mean maybe he was killed first and the birds came in after it's like, yeah these birds yeah, okay. attacked the so, children at the party. Well, I mean, were the kids bothering the birds? You shouldn't my, bother birds. My favorite thing about it is he posits this idea that maybe someone broke into the house and killed him, and <laughs> yes. then the birds came in, yes. which doesn't cause him to go, oh, shit, that means there's a right, murderer there's a in the murderer. town. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I mean, it could have just been your normal run-of-the-mill uh, manslaughter. Yeah, you know. We have those all the time. Maybe he, like, stole a goat or something. He had it coming. I don't know. 
Yes, but they but the co- the cop stuff is is funny. It it's is funny yeah. on purpose, and a lot of the ornithologist stuff is also funny on purpose. The way yeah. people are interrupting one another and sort of like butting in and out of conversations, mm. and, and it's always a little surprising because you think of the reputation this movie now has in pop culture of being like, oh, it's the birds. It's Tippi Hedren running down the street screaming while mm-hmm. the bird's in her hair. And instead, a lot of the movie is more just these like weird conversations between people. Yeah. It's very strange. Lots of phone calls in this movie. Yes, too. lots of phone calls. Yeah. I did like that call where it's like, is this happening to you, dad? And he's like, no. Yeah. She's like, what? <laughs> it's not happening where you are? No, it's everything seems to be fine here. Um, yeah, I think it, it's fun because it does provide the opportunity to to bring out what sort of weird conversations yeah people might have in the situation especially in a small town yeah you know where everybody's probably kind of well-tread characters to each other in yeah. the town oh, definitely yeah, yeah we're like you know the town drunk who's yelling it's the end of the world and yeah. they're just like all right bruce calm down and that stuff is always i i think it, it, that is also of the era too where you're it's it's kind of an older well, it's not that old because they even kind of mm-hmm. do this in the in the '80s slasher stuff. But like, there's there's always it's it's a classic kind of horror bit yeah. to be like, here's the scary stuff, mm-hmm. and then there's here's like a jackass, yes, you know, who just is there to be silly. Like in yes. Bride of Frankenstein, there's that one woman who all she does is like scream and faint <laughs> that everybody loves. But uh, um, it remind <laughs> it reminded me of. Uh, I, I, we were talking about this a bit last night. We were talking mm-hmm. about Oppenheimer <clears throat> and how there's like one joke in that movie and it's very much a visual joke. Mm. And, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is, is playing this kind of very straight ahead, not the not the modern J- Robert Downey Jr. type character. Yes. And the one joke in the movie they wisely gave to him, mm. which is, if, if you've seen the movie... Um, Spoiler alert. When they're all sitting around that table with the big centerpiece in the middle, and then Dane DeHaan says something, and they they move the centerpiece out of the way. Mm-hmm. As soon as Downey did that, I was like, there he is. Like, I, I could, <laughs> like, he, they gave it to the guy with the perfect comic timing to move yes. the thing, and I was like, yeah. excellent. Yeah. That's that's all the humor you're getting out of Oppenheimer, by right. the way. Right. So. Well, Matt, Matt Damon has a couple <laughs> tossed away lines yeah. that, are, that are pretty quippy and fun, but yes. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. Um, but there is, like, there's humor running through this movie. Oh, yes, definitely. Up until, like, you know, probably probably once the gas explosion happens and the guy yeah. immolates himself next to his car, it gets a little more serious. That's the that. that's the tipping point, right? The tippy yeah, point. the tippy point. Um, is when everybody sees someone get fucking exploded. Yes. And, th- every- and then the birds also attack. Right, yeah. yeah. Which I love, by the way. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, please do. But I love that there's that moment, their very tense moment where the man... One man has been attacked by the birds and he's knocked the gas pump off mm-hmm. off of its thing you hang it in on. And there's oh, gas. The, the dude who gets sniped in the head by that, yes. that seagull. Well, so and then there's gas going everywhere and it's this very tense build up to the man trying to light his cigar by the car who eventually fucks up and blows himself up. Mm-hmm. And then it switches to the bird's point of view. <laughs> Which I actually think is really funny. That's very funny. To then switch it to like the seagulls flying in and seeing all the fire and being like, ha yes. assholes, we're coming in now. Yeah. But yes, then then everything, it escalates very quickly after that. And, and poor, poor Tippy is trapped in a phone booth trying to keep birds mm-hmm. away from her. 
That was that was the one another one that I really thought was really effective is that mm. the the gas attendant guy who gets knocked in the head. Yeah, that was looked really good. Yeah, and you know threw getting, a real bird at him. I'm sure. <laughs> yes, he actually died. That must be like imagine trying to be an actor on this movie, and there there are moments where they're like, all right, we're gonna throw the bird at you, but you can't flinch. Right. Because you're yeah. not supposed to see it coming. So, uh, all right, we'll do it on three. Don't flinch. Yeah. And then someone throws a live bird at your head. That's what I always <laughs> loved about Sam Raimi, like the Evil Dead movies, because mm-hmm. everything I've read is like essentially, for most of those movies, it's just Sam Raimi standing just off camera mm-hmm. with something ready to smack Bruce Campbell with it. <clears throat> and so like you're trying to pretend like you're riding a horse very seriously uh-huh. with your best friend there like with a big <laughs> branch just waiting to smack I'm just you in the really face. really eager to hit you in the head with this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but yeah, it's um I think I think when it when when it really starts picking up and it does kind of turn into like a, a house siege movie, yeah. I think it gets really effective. Um Yeah. Because like I said, it feels like it's establishing a lot of that stuff that many people have used afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um how did you feel about the ending? I think I have like a love-hate relationship with the ending. Mm-hmm. I, I I sometimes am a little disappointed by it because it just feels very abrupt. And then usually the longer I think about it and I sit with it, the more I like it. Yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean? Sure. Where I'm sort of like, what is what is the better resolution to this film? Right. Yeah. I mean, he has the the sense to know that there isn't one. Right. And I do think that the moment that I was talking about earlier between... Melanie and Lydia does give some sort of emotional closure in mm, a way yeah. where like they've become a family unit through this horrific series of events. Right. And Melanie has been accepted into this family and they drive off together to get her help. Yeah. And I think emotionally and like character wise, that's a good ending. That's a good ending point to leave these characters. Yeah, and I I think it's it's it, again, um, I think it's it's really a prototypical zombie movie ending. Yeah, where you've got these four people who escape into the world that is now overrun by zombies. Yeah, or in this case, birds. Yes, and <laughs> I think you know, <clears throat> I think there's. You, you, the I mean the other ending to this movie is what they blow the house up, right? You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can, they they lure. We gotta kill all these. They birds. lure all the birds into one giant yeah. warehouse. I mean, think and, about like, explode it. Think about arachnophobia, right? I've never seen it. I have. <laughs> <coughs> Hi, mom. Aww. Um, Hi, Mrs. McCormick. The, the end of that movie is they blow the house up. That's how they kill the spiders is they blow the house up, yeah. which is great because who doesn't want to see a bunch of fucking spiders get exploded? I but, do. Um, there's a movie, you know, you should watch uh, uh, Kingdom of the Spiders. Oh, no. From like, I, I think don't... it's like late, mid to late 70s. Oh, okay. Uh, um, William Shatner movie. Okay, that I could do. And it's kind of like this. <laughs> But imagine instead of birds, it's tarantulas. And instead of tippy, it's... Bingo. Uh, it's, it's not good, but it's a, <laughs> it's a fun watch. Okay. And the ending is actually very similar. Hmm. Where... Um, <laughs> All the spiders just watch them Well, no, away. but it's pretty fucking great. 
So they end at the end of the, the last act of the movie or whatever is they're uh-huh. holed up inside this house and it's, it's mostly like stuffing towels under cracks of doors and stuff to stop the spiders. Right, because they're in. spiders. Yeah, <laughs> um, but like you know the the the, the night breaks and uh-huh. the sun comes up and they I think they get something on the radio I can't remember, mm-hmm. but uh, William Shatner like makes his way to the window and he looks out the window and he's like oh my god. And then somebody else is like, what's going on? And they go, oh, my God. And the last shot of the movie mm. is an exterior shot of, like, mm. the town. Uh-huh. And the entire town is just covered in, sp- like, spider webs. <laughs> the whole town has turned into a giant spider web. Oh, my God. It's amazing. It's so <laughs> stupid, but it's amazing. <clears throat> and it's, it's like, it's, that's, I feel like they're going for the same thing here. But Because, yeah. like, those are your two options. You blow the house up right. and try to kill as many birds as you can. Right. Or you just accept it and hope you survive and yeah having them drive away with all of these birds just sitting there silently watching is them. so much more unnerving yes. than like if they had decided to do another bird sequence you know right yeah because it's like they're not they're not gone no one has vanquished them right but they're not attacking and there's a weird like you know, throughout the movie, there are sort of these waves of attacks and then a lull, attacks and then a lull, but you don't know why. Yeah. Like, there's no rhyme or reason about when they ramp up for an attack and when they decide not to. And right. so you're yeah. left in that moment thinking, like, oh my God, are the birds going to come after them? Mm. Like, are they going to start taking off and flying after the car? Are they, like, what are they doing? Why aren't they, are they going to do it? Are they not? And you're, you're kind of just left with that suspense. Yeah. And then the car is driving away, and then the film is over. Yeah, I was trying to. I was just trying to think if I don't know if the band The Birds existed in 1963, mm-hmm. but like if they made this movie now, mm-hmm. that last shot would then be driving away to uh, to everything turn turn turn. <laughs> there is a season, which for- actually leads into an interesting point about this movie oh. is that there is no soundtrack. David Crosby is is the no. <laughs> Um, he voices all the birds. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I don't think I noticed that. Yeah, there's no sound. There's no music. Yeah, that's really interesting. The only really actual music is when uh, uh, Melanie plays the piano. Right. And the children sing. That's it. Because even over the, the Universal logo, there's no music, yeah. right? Yeah, it's just birds calling. Yeah, that's really mm-hmm. interesting. I hadn't I hadn't clocked that. Yeah, there's there's no... And, and I think that might add to what feels so strange about the first half of this movie. I hadn't movie. clucked that. Uh... <laughs> Oh, funny. Yep. <laughs> Someone play this man off. Um, but I, I wonder if that kind of adds to the, the sense of strangeness in the first half of the movie. Mm-hmm. At least I think it might for me because the first half reads like it's supposed to almost be a rom-com. Yes. Like they've had yeah. this meet cute in the pet store and then she's decided to do some crazy manic pixie dream girl style. Like, I'm just going to go to his house. Yeah. I'm just going to find him. And then rather than being reasonably creeped out by this stalker he's like absolutely charmed by her even though she's followed him and is a pathological liar Mm -hmm. all of this plays like we're supposed to be rooting for this romance yeah but there's no music Mm. so you miss i i feel like in a lot of rom-coms and romantic movies the music cues you that this is supposed to be sweet. Right. This is supposed to be charming. This is supposed to be a moment of two people falling in love. And we can tell because of the way the music is. And in this where there's no music, it's just kind of awkward at times. 
even when she's driving there, yes, like that's when you would expect. You would expect like boop 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 boop. Yeah, some jaunty little '60s like ditty, yeah, And instead, it's literally just the screeching of her tires and the sound of the car. Yeah, um, I think that's a really smart move because it really does. It, it does keep you heightened to the times where it's all you hear is like, yes, like just the you know like the slight fluttering in the background. Yep, a distant call. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. I I do think you know as far as influence and stuff like this too. I I think that the the real horror of this is that it is so unknowable about what's going yeah. like they they don't they don't try to make an excuse or an explanation nope and i think that's something that you know a movie like jaws mm. takes from this absolutely where it's like it's nature there's no explanation yep. there's no the shark is just doing what the shark is doing right these birds are just attacking people yeah we don't know why yep and then you know they're still out there yep look up in the sky and that's <laughs> and the, well that's the other thing too is much like jaws I think what sticks with you is you walk out of the theater and there are birds everywhere. Yes. And yes. you're, you're going to look up and you're going to see two birds on a wire and go, I don't know. Yeah. If there's a third one, then I'm calling the cops. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think that's what makes this an effective horror movie and why it stays in the realm of being a horror movie is because it genuinely left people afraid of just normal ass birds. Yeah. And made them feel mysterious and unknowable. Yeah. Rather that it took it took something mundane and made it scary. Yeah, unlike that hack Spielberg that had to use a giant monster with sharp teeth. Yeah. I mean, everyone I mean, come that, on. that's everyone yeah, a shark is scary. No shit. Yeah, pal. of course. Yikes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sharks are actually very fascinating creatures and an important part of the ecosystems of our oceans, so Yeah, whatever. Um yeah, I think it's 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 a really interesting one. I I'd be really curious to see how this if this movie didn't exist mm. and they made this movie now. Like <laughs> It would ex- be Birdemic. <laughs> I was I was thinking like you cannot remake this movie now. But no. thankfully for better or worse, Birdemic exists. Birdemic is a real movie. If you want to torture yourself, you can go watch it. Yeah, they made 3 of them. Jesus Christ. Yeah. They made seven Sharknados. Did you know that? I knew they made a lot. I didn't know it was One seven. of them involves time travel. <laughs> Great. No, no. Um, what was I saying before that? If you remade, if oh, this yeah. movie never existed in its current, if it, in its if form. You, if you remade, re- remade this, if you made this movie now with the exact same structure, I would be really curious what the response would be mm. because that beginning half where it's just kind of romantic comedy I yeah. could see as not playing very well, but you know, I mean, in the era of these more um, elevated movies mm. that have these like slow burns, maybe it would play. I don't know. I'm not really sure. I feel like if you made it right now, it would benefit from the sort of like horror movie renaissance we've had in the last ten or fifteen years. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like. Movies like Hereditary and like um, Pearl and X exist. Barbarian. Barbarian. Like movies like that are out in the world and they have found their their niche audience. 
I think if you made this movie in like 2005 Mm -hmm. and tried to put it out, people would be like, that movie sucks. Well, the 2005 (laughs) version Uh was birdemic (laughs) is at the end of the movie, all the birds Mm -hmm. form into this giant CGI huge bird. (laughs) Yes. That they have something to fight. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was thinking where that one clip where they're listening to the radio and they're like, the military has been called. I was thinking, is (laughs) there a better day as a soldier? When, Buckle especially, up, boys. especially in 1963, when your your sergeant comes in comes in and says, "All right, boys, this is the day," and you're like, "Oh fuck, we're going to Vietnam," <laughs> and he's like, "Get your guns, we gotta kill as many birds as we can." And you're just like, "Oh, thank you." <laughs> Full I auto. Love duck hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this is number 38 on our list. How do you feel about the placement? Should it be higher? Should it be lower? Should it be taken off the list entirely? I feel pretty good about the placement. Yeah. Mostly because like like we're saying, it really does have such ripple effects mm-hmm. down through other horror movies throughout time in, in ways big and small. Yeah. So I, I, I think it kind of belongs in the top fifty. I would say so. And it's just such a pop cultural touchstone. Yeah. You know, if you're like Oh, you know, I, I had to cross the parking lot to get to my car yesterday. And God, it was like a scene from the birds. Yeah. Everybody I'm, knows what you mean. I'm trying to decide if it gets too much credit for being a Hitchcock movie. Mm. You know, like just having that name attached to it. It's like, oh, yeah, of course it's in the top 50. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I can't really argue with it that much. Do I think it's the... I don't know if it's one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. but. No. I do think it's once it really gets going, it gets going. It's very, yeah. very fun. Um, yeah, I might knock it down a little bit to like around sure. 50. Yeah. But I think I'm generally okay with the placement as it stands. Yeah. Um, we are, uh, we did uh, Attack the Block mm. last week. We subbed that in. I don't know if you knew this, but. Um, mm. I was under the impression we had recorded Attack the Block like last year. We recorded that three years ago. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I put that up and we had done an intro at the time. Wow. Say for when we eventually put it on the main feed. Yeah. Saying like, oh, you know, we did we did this and blah, blah, blah. And I did a second. Amanda doesn't listen to the show. I did a second <laughs> intro. I don't. I don't. Listen. I, I can't stand the sound of my own voice. I did an intro to the intro where I explained that the intro we do is now horribly out of date. Nice. Because to the point where it is not the correct numbering for huh. Attack the Block. The number that we say in our intro is different yes. than the number it currently of sits course. at. Of course. I mean, those do move around fairly regularly, I yeah. feel like. So. And so I was shuffling through when I was putting it together, I was shuffling through, hmm. and it was all this talk of like the pandemic and not going anywhere, and I was like, Wait, when is this from? It's from December of 2020. So like Jesus. right in the pocket of all that stuff. Wow. So, like deep uh, in the pocket of all that stuff. Yeah. So that's fun. Well, I'm glad it's not December 2020 anymore. Yeah, me too. Can always can always remind myself of that and feel better about everything. That was three years ago. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Those years did not count. No, not really. 20, 20, 2020 through 2022 just like don't count. Yeah. That's why I am only 37. Um, I like these rules. But uh, we are we kind of shuffled around a bit, so we're going to have a, a wild card, uh-huh. two list movies, and a wild card. Oh, okay. And so the wa- first wild card is my pick, mm. and seeing as we are 
right in the in the in the uh, gunt <laughs> of summer. No, no. Right, right under the no. Right under the stomach fold, deep into that sweaty crevice of summer. <laughs> That's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. We're gonna be doing a movie. Called, we've done two camp like lake movies on patreon so far we've done the burning and we've yes. done mario baba's bay of blood yes um it's more of a so, bay than a lake but. That's, that's true it's more of a bay than a lake um so we are gonna we're, we're bringing summer camp to the main feed we're gonna be doing yeah. sleepaway camp it's been like two years since we were doing friday the 13th movies so i can yes. handle it oh yeah I amanda think. has never seen sleepaway camp I not i am excited <laughs> you look like a kid on christmas i might let you just talk for an hour and a half about oh Sleepaway camp okay while i just sit here with a, a a grin on my face yeah a bowl of popcorn and a and a whiskey or something yes yes um i'm not gonna say anything okay that's 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 the end of the episode uh thank you guys if you want to help support the show you can head over to patreon.com slash the penske file where Amanda and I are in the midst of doing video nasties this year. Yes. I, I had begun to think about what we were going to do next year. Ooh. And I was kind of it's kind of wondering if we maybe don't just do Halloween movies, like like the franchise. Yeah. Because we haven't done Halloween 1 yet. Yeah. And at this point, there's more than 12, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we might have to pick and choose a little bit. Yes. But uh, you don't seem too interested in it. Clay, so now we'll have, we to. have to do it. You've said it to me. I'll put it up for a vote. Put it up for a vote. See what the what the people paying the money want us to do. If they don't vote for it, I'm going to show up at all their houses in a Michael Myers mask. And we know where those houses are because we got their credit cards. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all of the patron- <laughs> patrons cancel their memberships. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.